What's up, everybody, and welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. Here we are again in the heart of Arlington County. We're in Clarendon, of course. Back for episode 111, I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, of course, to my right, it's Joanna Russo. Joanna, what's up? Chris, would you ever just pick up and move to Oslo? Never. I wouldn't leave Arlington County. All right. No, it's a non-starter. You say pick up and leave and move to, you know, South Arlington, maybe. (laughs) But other than that. So move down the block. Down the block. Okay. All right. And to my left, we are excited to be joined by our other co-host back from wherever he was. It's William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? The sound levels are correct. Docs must be back. (laughs) Were you in Oslo? I would pick up and move to Oslo. Even if you didn't speak the language? Mm-hmm. Where, where's Oslo? Norway. Okay. You know what's interesting about uh, interactions in Norway? Mm-hmm. Like when you go to the grocery store, if you were like in a store, there's no small talk. Like if you uh, go to the grocery like store, Ooh, yeah. Farley, Farley's in now. <laughs> I do like that. What's the dog park situation there? <laughs> no small talk. None of it. So they're not talking about the weather? No. Okay. They only ask questions that are necessary. So okay. they'll say, do you want a bag? Okay. Cash or credit? That's it. There's no talk about the weather, nothing else. Because everybody says, hey, how you doing? And what's the answer? Even if I'm having the worst day of my life. I like to answer that question honestly, especially <laughs> when people at work call. Like yesterday, somebody's, somebody called me and they're like, uh, how's it going? I said, I need milk. <laughs> they have no idea what to say next to that. Yeah. See, <laughs> see he would fit in in Oslo because <laughs> uh, the small talk uh, – He'd fit in Oslo because he doesn't need uh, the small talk. I, I don't need the small talk either. Um, but I I think this is what we do on our first part of the show, though. This small talk? Small yeah. talk? Small talk, No, yeah. this is big talk for a really big show. <laughs> exactly. It is a big show, a huge show. Big show to get to today, guys. Excited, like I said, to be uh, back in studio with the full crew. So that's and huge. And snacks. And snacks. Uh, so that is that is huge. How come we only got two maple waters? I think there's three. I think there's another one floating around. No, I didn't get one. Okay. Well, no, you you did. (laughs) Well, we are excited today uh, to be joined on the phone by a a really inspiring guest. Matt Long's going to join us. He is the author of The Long Run. Uh, We're going to tell his story, an amazing story. He was given a 5% chance to live back in 2005 when he was hit by a bus riding his bike in New York City. Uh, He said that running has saved his life, and he's going to tell that story today on Pace the Nation. Uh, We're having him on because on June 24th, he will be in our Navy Yard Pacers running location uh, for the first edition of the book club. So if you want to see Matt Long in person, get your book signed, talk to him, ask him questions, you can still sign up for the Pacers running Summer Book Club. Matt Long uh, starts it off June 24th. Also on today's program, we got three personal stories. We got we to gotta find out where Docs was. So that's kind of his personal story. Uh, I assumed that the three personal stories were all your personal stories. <laughs> well, no, Joanna. Uh, we got to figure out what's going on with her living situation and her move. And then also I took another flight and it went a little smoother than the first time. But uh, I want to describe what happened there. Uh, but, Docs, you are back. Um, mm-hmm. 
how do you think the sound levels were while you were gone? No, seriously, terrible. <laughs> terrible. Yes. Yeah, and we, I and I also noticed in the pictures that that you guys were posting to social media. Yeah, you're sitting in the wrong seats, and I had specifically gotten microphones for each of us. Yeah, uh, that, and they're color coded. They've and, got colored tape on them. And yeah. Everything. And and it took us like a year and a half to find a microphone that actually would pick up Joanna's voice. Yeah. Uh, and then as soon as I leave, you put her on a different mic. Yeah, I called an audible there just because of the way I wanted to situate the guests. Uh, yeah. Bad call on my part. Yeah. But uh, And callous disregard to this nice piece of equipment that we have to check the levels. Right. How many sound checks did you guys do while I was gone? We did sound checks, but the problem is... If you don't know what you're looking for <laughs> in the sound check, I think that's where we had issues. Uh-huh. I, I have more of an appreciation for uh, William E. Docs than probably ever. Uh, well, it's like Cinderella said. You don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> Is that a sor- Cinderella? <laughs> well, Cinderella did have a song where they said that. Oh, Cinderella, but the band. The band, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Right. yeah I, uh, I was thinking the fairy tale. Come on. Yeah. Cinderella is a great hair hair band. I thought it was for real. I, I didn't was... even know that there was a hair band called Cinderella. Oh, you you're missing That's out. Right. That's right. Satya knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> d- Docs, uh, you know, it wasn't just the sound levels. It's editing the show that is mm-hmm. wow. now your responsibility. Is is a is a good amount of work, especially when you're changing levels up and down from uh, you know from. This person has high levels and this person yeah. has low levels. Yeah. So there is. So I, I'm sorry if the last couple episodes have been choppy. Uh-huh. Uh, what I realize now is doing a little upfront work saves you a lot <laughs> yes. of time on the back yeah. end. And also, like uh, trying to do the edit before 11 o'clock on Sunday <laughs> night um, goes a long not, way as not, well. Not a, not a great idea. So. Docs is back, uh, hopefully uh, back for, uh, you know, good here. Hopefully uh, we're not going to have you go to uh, off-site again uh, mm-hmm. anytime soon. But well, we, I'm moving to Oslo. <laughs> we will describe <laughs> where you were and what you were doing uh, later on in the mm, program. I think we'll, let's, we'll see what we, how, <laughs> how much we get into. Docs is always guarded. Um, but uh, next, excited to be joined by... Matt Long, his book is The Long Run. You can see him June 24th at the Pacers Running Navy Yard for the Summer Book Club. He's going to join us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Docs and Joanna, we are excited to be joined by, via the phone, it's Matt Long. The book is The Long Run, and you can see Matt June 24th at Pacers Navy Yard. Matt, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Great, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time this morning, and thanks for taking the time to join us uh, June 24th. You can still sign up to see Matt, and he'll be at, again, Pacers Navy Yard, and you can uh, meet Matt, ask him questions. He'll be signing books. Um so a really exciting event that we will have later on this month. So the book is the long run. We're going to get into your story, but I'm curious. How, so you, were, you you published the book in 2010. How's it done? Uh, I, the book has done fairly well. I, I think um, I think the book world is turning around a bit. People uh, have lost that uh, 
a little bit of that enthusiasm and excitement of the e-reader. So I think they really want to get back to the hard cover mm-hmm. and the paper turning the page feeling. Uh, so I think um, I think for what they published, the amount that they published, it, it did fairly well. That's awesome. I think yeah. we published. I think we published thirty thousand hardcovers, and then it went to paperback within a year. That's awesome. Um, and you, you can, of course, get it on Amazon. You'll be able to get the book on June 24th at our, our store as well. And Matt will be there, of course, signing books. Um, what an incredible story, man. Um, you you uh, are a, a distance athlete. Um, and let's, let's take, take us back to, um, you know, you, you're a firefighter, a distance athlete, an entrepreneur, all these things, living this you know, great life back in 2005. Um, take us back to the, the bike accident where the, where the bus hit you. Um, there was a transit strike. What was going on that, um, I, I, I guess, explain to our audience what the transit strike was. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so it was Christmas time in, uh, in New York City, which was probably the most uh, populated time with tourists and all that thing. Um, I lived right in Midtown Manhattan, and you know, as as per the norm in big cities like DC and 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 New York City, there's always some kind of a union contract or um, or some kind of negotiations going on. So the the Transit Workers Union, the TWU, was negotiating that contract with the city and not getting what they wanted, I guess. So they just you know they threatened the strike, and um, and they did it. So um, the strike lasted three days. So the strike started on the 20th of December, and it really brought New York to its knees. I mean, you, you, you couldn't get in or out of the city. There was no public transportation at all. Uh, the mayor put travel restrictions for cars for people that were trying to get into the city. Uh, at that point, I was living in Midtown, and I was finishing up my tra- um Detail. I was detailed to the fire academy, and I was actually training the probies or the new recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, luckily for me, the first day of the strike, I was training people on ice uh, and cold water rescue uh, in the city at a city pool. So I didn't need to go too far. Right. And then the Thursday, the twenty second, would be my last day at the academy. Uh, before I went on vacation, I had a, a winter vacation that year, and uh, I said, "Well, you know, there's no other way to get there." Actually, I could have driven. I could have taken my car and driven to work, but um, there was no other way to get there. I wouldn't have gotten back into the city, so I, I decided to ride my bike. You know, I'm an Ironman athlete, a marathon athlete. You know, I was like, "All right, I'll ride my bike," even though it was 15 degrees with a wind chill of <laughs> right. who knows what. I wrapped myself up in everything I had and. And I headed out like 5.30 in the morning and um, got, only got two blocks. So a private, uh, private bus that was hired to get workers below the travel restrictions for a big company downtown Manhattan. Um, he just made a, a very odd uh, and, and strange turn and clipped me. He didn't see me. Wow. So this was uh, 2005. Uh, you had just run... An incredible, you know, a, a great marathon two months earlier, uh, the New York City Marathon, and qualified mm-hmm. for Boston. So, were there plans to run Boston that next April? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, was already signed up. Um, 
we I was training with four or five guys from the fire academy at different age groups, different levels, and that was our plan. Our plan was for all of us to go as a uh, as a little team, uh, and every one of us uh, did qualify that year. From the, the one guy was sixty, almost sixty years old, wow. uh, and we had as, as young as uh, in, in the twenties, and everyone did qualify, and we were all going to go run Boston together, and. Um, and that never happened for me, unfortunately. Yeah, and we'll get into details of the accident, but kind of your running background. I mean, you ran 3.13 in the New York City Marathon, and the, the, the three of us have run New York. Uh, we did it the past year. Just an amazing event. You were the fourth firefighter across the line that year. Um, but you weren't even that much of a runner growing up, right? No, not really. Um, I was a basketball player. That was my sport of trade. Um, you know, I... I I've always dreamed about playing college basketball, and and I just I used running as a just a vehicle to keep me in shape. Um, so I, in high school, the track team that we had, the cross country track team, it wasn't that deep. So I remember when the Brooklyn Queens cross county championships came, they were local for our school and our like home park. And uh, the, the basketball coach said, "Yeah, as part of your fitness for for basketball, everyone's got to run this race." Right. So this was my first, um, you know, my first venture into any kind of a running race at all. And none of us were too happy about it, but we did it. We put on our basketball sneakers, so <laughs> high tops, and um, and we got it through the uh, the five k. It was less than high school was less than five k. It's probably like a maybe a two mile two sure. two, two mile race, and uh, and I wound up placing for my team for the school. Wearing Air so, Jordans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I think they were pony. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were old school pony high tops. Nice. <laughs> um, and no one, anyone, well, the older people listening might say, oh, I had a pair of those. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wound up, I think they placed the top six or top seven. I wound up placing in that group, and they were trying to get me to run, and my passion was basketball, so I... I you know I begged the coach not to make me do it, um, so I didn't. You know I I didn't really get uh, get bit by the running bug until my thirties. Yeah. You know when I when one I was getting too slow to play basketball, uh, and was complaining about that back. I was carrying a little extra weight and all this other stuff, and I just started running again, and and it just you know like you you guys know and everyone any runner knows we we really tend to especially distance runners tend to peak in their 30s men and women mm-hmm. so here i am 33 34 years old and i ran my first marathon at like a 408 and that was just because i met a girl who said <laughs> she's running the marathon right so i was like okay i could do that and and that was new york city right that was new york city yeah yeah i mean you must have been but... bitten by the bug then how awesome that experience is right the experience was unbelievable. Right. Uh, was really, really weird. It's, it's, it's an amazing race. Not that, uh, you know, and I, one race I've never done was a Marine Corps marathon. I mm-hmm. always wanted to go down and do it. Um, I know traveling around the world, doing marathons is awesome, but I mean, the New York City Marathon is just, whether you're watching it or running it, either way, it's an experience. Yep. And it's a great one. Yeah. And I've done many viewing uh, episodes on the side of First Avenue in Manhattan. And, right. You know, it just rolls into... A Sunday night out, which is great. <laughs> so you run 408 the first time. How do you get to 313 from that 408? Oh, well, another I better looking girl or what? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Now then I got smart. 
Right. Um, you know, the 408 was definitely untrained and just because I wanted to date this girl who was running. And um, that didn't work because she beat me by about five, six minutes. <laughs> and, and the relationship soon ended. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, so the next year, one of the guys in the firehouse was like, hey, you know, want to try it again? Let's try to get, you know, let's break that four-hour mark. And we did it. Um we did it in like 3:52, I think my time was. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, right, yeah, I'm getting there. And then, it, then I got into triathlon, and and that's when everything started getting better. So I said, you know, my friend said, hey, would you like to do this triathlon? You started running. We're, we're going to do this to raise money for charity. And I was like, yeah, well, anything. I'll do the money for charity. You know, whatever. I said, but I have to get a bike and I have to learn how to swim. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, those are two two minor two, details. Yeah, two small things. Yeah, yeah. two small things. And, and you know, I, I started doing that. And swimming obviously comes very hard to people if you're not doing it when you're young, because mm-hmm. uh, it's so technique based. But as I was doing all three disciplines and getting more fit, the running really started to like. I really just started getting fast. Yeah, and I was like, wow, you know, here I am in, in my in my mid thirties, and you know, I, I'm doing a a forty minute. 10k in central park so you eventually like, wow yeah and you eventually get super fit you run the triathlon do it in 11 hours and 18 minutes so anybody out there who who's done an iron man or aspires to do an iron man that's that's moving and, and that included a 344 marathon where was that uh, that, that, you, that you did that that was lake Placid. okay you so did. very very hilly very hilly race period but a very hilly marathon and, and that became my marathon pr wow you know, my standalone peak was two fifty, three fifty two, and now I'm doing a three forty four, after a hundred and twelve mile bike ride. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, yeah so I, I really, my running really, really snapped around, and and right after that Ironman, that was it. Shut it down. Bike went away. Swimming, we kept swimming, but uh, just for like our off days. But the run, we started gearing. Me and these five or six guys that I was, you know, look, if you hang out with like minded people, you, you're going to accomplish goals. Because no one's no one lets anyone slip, you know, especially firefighters. Yeah, and the New York City Fire Department is such a huge part of the New York City Marathon. It's always mm-hmm. inspiring to see those guys out there racing it. And you were fourth out of the two hundred plus runners who who did it in that uh, two thousand eight event. I mean, how awesome was that? Uh, it was great. I mean, it was part, it was part of my goal. I knew all about the team. I knew, you know, the team is is anyone who runs is on the team. But the team that goes for the competition against the police uh, for the mayor's cup is the top five runners. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be one of those guys. I really wanted that bad. So three thirteen, you're you're riding high. Uh, that was in November. The accident. Let's get to the accident. It happens um, two months later. Um, you know, and and you're probably you you're probably gearing up for Boston at that point, right? Yes, we started our we started our plan our planning for the winter and getting ready for Boston. Uh, and then we, you know we we actually like I said when you're with a group of guys like that, you you setting some goals for yourself. And Boston wasn't the the main goal. Uh, we all did want to go sub three hours in Boston. Well, not all, but you know I, me and the the younger crew of it did. Um, that was our goal, sub three hours in Boston. But we all, our big goal was, um, to believe it or not, was the Western States. Ooh, wow. 
Yeah, we we uh, we just sit there at the fire academy and in between breaks of training probies and stuff. We'd be we would be reading part of Dean Canassa's book. We'd be you know looking it up the belt buckle times and who did this <laughs> and who did that and you know we it's about the buckle. It's all we kept talking about. Yep. So the goal, the long term goal for this group of five or six runners from the fire department was to go up and do Boston, do the best we can, and then p- put our pitch in to run the uh, Western States, and, you know, go figure out how we're going to do it, JFK 50, you know, do your qualifiers, and, um, and yeah, so that was the big picture, so, so we were we were all geared up, we were holding each other accountable, we, we you know, probably three or four times a week we ran together, you know, everybody had their own run on their, on their own. There's so many local races. I mean, I think that's another way to get into great shape yep. is just to really start signing up and doing these races. Well, all that, all those plans changed, obviously, in that December day uh, when you're hit by a 20-ton bus. Um, now, Matt, I get a, I get a little squeamish and have problems with with uh, blood, and and I, so I know you you do a very good job of describing all this in your book. Uh, t- <laughs> Tell us about. Give me the PG rated uh, version <laughs> of what happened. Far- Farley's going to listen to this with his son later, so <laughs> yeah, keep exactly. that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of what I'm going to say now, you got to remember, is told to me because I don't remember any. I, I didn't remember any part of the accident, mm-hmm. so a lot of it was told to me. Um, you know, I was I was just I was headed north of Third Avenue in Manhattan, and this t- bus made a wide right turn from the left side of third avenue to three lane street and um i you know he he slammed like t-bone i t-boned the bus Mm. and you know i remember talking to one of the police investigators and he said to me he was like for whatever reason the the laws of physics when it comes to accidents didn't work out here for you and i said well what do you mean and he said well normally you know pedestrian hits or cyclist hits bus, um, cyclist bounce off bus hits an, a secondary object and, and that's what does the damage. He was, but you for some reason was sucked under. So mm-hmm. like, I kind of just, you know, the bike laid down to its right side, my right side of my body slammed to the pavement and the bus continued to make the turn. You know, and he, he stopped and while I was under the bus because he, he thought he hit a garbage bale or thought he hit the car parked on the corner. Right. Uh, so I can only imagine what this guy, you know, what he went through his head when he, you know, looks down the side of the bus and, you know, there's a bike and a set of legs, you know, flipping around underneath it. Um, yeah, so I was told that it took, you know, close to 30 minutes for the for the police and fire first responders to, you know, kind of lift the bus up with the hydraulic equipment, get me out and, and remove the the bike from my abdomen. Mm. The, bike is, the bike has basically cut me in half. Oh. Um, you know, and I'll keep it as PG as I can, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's important, you know, part of the story is the magnitude of, you know, a lot of, when I do tell my story, a lot of people look at me like, wow, you know, I, and I'm 51 years old now and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not shy. I'm not shy. So I, I like to, I don't mind tooting my own horn, but I'm still in phenomenal shape. Right. And when I tell people I was hit by a run over by a bus, they go, yeah, well, you weren't really weren't run over. I mean, I look at you, you're fine. Right. Like, no, no. My right leg was functionally not attached to my body. Wow. My my femoral artery was severed. Wow. My abdominal, abdominal wall was torn out of my midsection. Um, yeah, I was bleeding to death. 
broke every bone in my left leg, compound fracture, my pelvis, compound fracture, my right shoulder, compound fracture. Um, thank God, no head trauma. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm being in a medical-induced coma for about five or six weeks. Spent five months in the hospital, 43 different surgeries. You know, I, I mean, I basically, like I tell my my young daughter, I tell her, oh, I'm Humpty Dumpty, Daddy's Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> they, he fell down and they put them all back together. And she's like, okay, that's good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically the, the extent of the damage that was done. And, you know, thank God. I can tell, I tell one story, thank God. My femoral artery was severed and I'm bleeding to death. And, and, a, and a police officer made a, made a decision, police officer Kelly. Uh, you know, in today's world, and I, I'm being a fireman, I, I've done the same thing. I've, you know, I have a mask to give CPR. I have rubber gloves to protect me from disease and infection of the person you're going to save because you don't know them. Right. And uh, so he had a split decision to make. Whether, do I, it's, 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 it's like 12 degrees. Do I fumble through my bag and look for blue gloves or do I reach into this guy's thigh and hold his femoral artery? And he reached in barehanded and held my artery shut while they, you know, compressed the bleeding and tried to slow it down while they worked on the rest of the stuff. And that's what he did for 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. So I think that's probably the first uh, action of life-saving in my story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you said that every that people told you about this, and you're in a coma for five weeks. At what point are you aware that you were in an accident or that something happened? I mean, was it five weeks later? Were you? Yeah, it was pretty much. Uh, it's pretty much as soon as I I, I came out of uh, that that sedation. Um, the doctor and my brother was were my brother Jim was in the room, and. Um, well, it's, I mean, it's almost 12 years. And I, I'm getting uh, emotional. I apologize. No, no, uh, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah the, the, I, I kind of woke up, and there's these big lights, and my arms are folded across. Well, my one arm is folded across my chest, but it's resting on something. And, and I'm like, what the, what the hell is going on here? Well, there was a, you know, five, six-inch external fixator made of steel or or carbon fiber, whatever they're using material these days, that was coming out of my abdomen that was holding my pelvis together. And my arm was just resting on it like a shelf. And I'm like grabbing it. I'm like, what the, What is this? What is this? And they're like, I right, calm down, relax. And that's when my brother told me, he said, look, you, you were in an accident and you're in a hospital. You're in a good place. They're taking good care of you. And I was just kind of, I couldn't really move to see the rest of my body. I could just see this piece of metal sticking out through my like like around my sternum right and uh i i remember distinctively looking at the doctor said okay um well i'm kind of going tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and he they he just you know, he looked at me and he said look you, you're going to be here for quite a while he says but like your brother said you're in a good place we're taking good care of you and that, that's when uh, I got, you know, very, pretty very angry, and you know, then I, you know, started to realize what happened. You know, that that I was that I'm not in that good of shape. Well, the book is the, the long run. Uh, you uh, describe all this in the book. Um, there's also a great article about you in Runner's World uh, that's still online. We will tweet out that article uh, from Pace the Nation. That article from Runner's World is called "A Second Life." Uh, from that article. Uh, 
it talks about your your the the trauma surgeon uh doctor i think his name is ichiman potty yeah, um, Ichimipati, who was also instrumental in saving your life. They gave you a 5% chance to live, if that, uh, when you came into the, the trauma surgery. But uh, uh, Dr. Ichimipati, he, he gave you more of a chance and just, you know, never gave up on you, even though you had lost uh, in 12 hours, 48 units, that's six gallons of blood. So talk, to, talk about that trauma uh, surgeon. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm friends with all my doctors. I've, I've stayed in touch with all of them, for, you know, for good reasons. Uh, um, but uh, Dr. Chimpati, who's a Georgetown graduate. There you um, go. Nice. Yeah, and, and a runner. There we go. Um, so I I think, you know, we, we've had very candid conversations post-accident, and and he's told me multiple times, like, look, he goes, like, I had asked him flat out, I said, Doc, I said, how do you do this? Like, how do you go into a room and see a guy in my condition and, and uh, you know, I don't know, and, and say that you're going to save this guy's life? And he's like, look, it's, 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 not, it's not an easy job. He goes, I, I have a, two, two things that are very difficult. He's one, he goes, after I see you, I have to go see your significant other, or in this case, your mm-hmm. parents, you were single. Mm-hmm. And I have to convey to them the tragedy that's in hand and the significance of the fact that I can't give them false hope, but I can't crush them and tell them that you're not going to make it. Um, he goes, now we're sitting here talking face to face. We're sitting having dinner. And I could tell you flat out, I did not believe you were going to live. Wow. You basically were an academic exercise for me and my residents. Mm. And he goes, however, he goes, when I did go outside to tell your parents, that you have about a 5% chance to live. Um, that your mom, and this is true, but my mom looked at her and looked at him and said, um, Doc, you have to do your best. He's running the Boston Marathon in April. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, excuse me? <laughs> and she said, he, he just ran New York City, qualified for Boston, and his goal is to run Boston, and you have to do your best. So he's like, wow. See, we're about the same age. He's a, actually a little younger than me, mm-hmm. but he said um, he ran the marathon and he finished in like four twenty five, four thirty. So he's like, this guy just like beat me by more than an hour in the marathon. You know, we're not dealing with the average yeah. person. Did 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 the doctor say anything about uh, your fitness uh, contributing to your um, your surviving this accident? Every doctor did one hundred percent. Yeah, he, he said flat out to me, he go, once he learned that, he said he knew the level of insult, and that's what he called it, that I would be able to endure was a lot more than the average person. He goes, if you are not, I mean, look, at one point, I'm on the table, and my heartbeat was 28, 29 beats a minute. Right, yeah. And the doctor was like, he, this is, you know, this is it, he's going. And it never happened. And that's when he realized, that, look, he, this guy is, is, is a well-trained endurance athlete, and his heart and lungs can, can, can help. So let's just, let's just keep going. And that's, why they kept, that's why they kept giving me the blood. And like you said, you know, uh, 68 units of blood in, in, in 11 hours, which is unheard of. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the quotes from the Runner's World article is from the Dr. 
uh, Ichiman Potty said, uh, one is one thing he learned is never to give up on anybody. Two, the human body can be trained to withstand se- severe insults, like you said. And three, uh, never shortchange the will of the patient. And I feel like you just willed yourself to live, right? You know, um, I don't know that I'd say it just that way. What I would say is that one of the other things Dr. Ichimpati said to me over and over again, he was like, look, my job was to save your life and not worry about your quality of life. I think where the where my willpower and, and the power of the human spirit came in is to the, to the level of function I was mm-hmm. able to get back. Do, do I believe 100% that I could still be in a wheelchair today? Yes. If if I w- if if you allowed beat, it if you resigned if that. I allowed it yeah yeah if I allowed it if I got beat up with that depression state that I was in you know I I suffered depression I suffered PSD I suffered all of it but I, I the will to not let this change who I really am um, pushed and and that's what got me back to to basically living I mean with besides the limp and a couple other things wrong. Uh, I, I live as full of life as I did before the accident. So if uh, if you had this like depression and this post traumatic, um, like when, what was the turning point? Like when did you when did your mindset change and you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna get over this and I'm gonna improve my quality of life? When did that happen? Uh, probably. I mean, I know exactly when when uh, what triggered it, and it was my mom. Um, you know, I I mentioned her quite a bit in the book, and and. Um, quite a bit when I go around and do uh, talks, that she is the, the hero in my story where after it was all done and I left the hospital, that's when I, you know, that's when you kind of start to think like, oh, holy, holy crap, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is, this is your life. Um, and I was kind of just very upset about the outcome of, of a possible surgery that wasn't going to happen at this moment. I had to wait another six months and, and, um, you know, I just told my, I told my parents, I said, um, I wish, I'm glad you prayed and your prayers were answered, but I, I wish you had prayed for me to die. Mm. And um, that's something you should never say to your Irish Catholic mother. <laughs> uh, um, take that, listeners. If you take this, the only thing you take away from this call, yeah, is, please. Good advice. Um, Good advice from Matt advice, Long yeah. right there, yes. Yeah. So, so my, my, my dad, who's uh, you know former Marine, um, a real tough guy, he just like, kind of started to cry. And my mom didn't, and I, I, I don't know if I was looking for pity or looking for a hug. I, she just put her hands down on the table and she said, enough is enough. And I was like, excuse me? And she said, look, you, you, you're not the only person suffering in this world. You're not the only person that's ever been in an accident of this magnitude. She said, if you want to be a miserable piece of shit, <laughs> the entire, your rest of your life, just do it by yourself. Mm. Tough love, and, love it. Yeah, yeah. Tough love is exactly what it was, and and I I, I was looking at it like, wow. And I was still in a wheelchair at this point, and I, we were at a restaurant. They took me to lunch after the doctor's appointment, and I I tried to wheel away from the table and go out, but there were two steps out the side of the <laughs> restaurant, so I had to go back to the table and say, take me home. Mm. Um, but that that was the moment. That was the moment where. You know, I went home, and for the next week or two, maybe, I, I sat there in the depression state. I wasn't taking my therapy serious. I went through the motions. You know, it, 
you see this when when your children get hurt or even you know that that maybe that not so strong minded runner gets hurt and you know they're like oh yeah I'll get out there but I'm still my ankle still bothering me and it's like wait a minute your ankle bothered you six weeks ago you should be fine you should be back you should be moving you should be doing things to get the body going again because the body wants to be healthy so here I am in a wheelchair crying about myself and feeling bad about myself. My mom says, enough's enough. There's other people in the world suffering. And things started to turn around for me. And I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to therapy for 45 minutes and then kind of come home and say, I did therapy, say I'm done. I went to therapy for 45 minutes and, and then I had my brother or a friend take me to the gym. And eventually that turned into a, a, a brother or a friend take me to the pool. And let me, let me start water running. Let me start swimming. Let me start doing something. And, and everything just started to come back. And everything. How could you, how could you train? You know, my, my surgery was, 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 that I was waiting for was to remove the colostomy bag mm-hmm. and, 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 and close my abdomen. My abdomen at this time was still open. And, and they couldn't do it. You know, they're like, look, you're, you're not ready. But how can you train for that to happen? You can't. So I started training, period, as if this is how I'm going to live my life. And I started to get stronger. The body started getting healthier. And, and two months later, I went back to the same doctor who told me we can't do the surgery. And he did it. Wow. Yeah, and you uh, obviously, I mean, you had all the problems. You, you basically needed to live, like the doctor said initially, but there's got to be a number of other you know, issues, broken bones and rods and screws in you that had nothing to do with you just, you know, with you surviving it. It's, you know, like, what do you have in your body now? Um, Yeah, my left leg, titanium rod from hip to heel. Mm. Uh, I have like a nine-inch titanium screw on my right side of my pelvis. Uh, And the stuff that um, the... This, this, this stuff they used to close my abdomen because, you know, my, like I said, my abdominal wall was ripped apart. So um, I had a very good surgeon who uh, basically, say can't say it really any, any differently, he basically filleted two of the, uh, you have three oblique muscles, and he filleted like two of them and opened them and put them as my abdominal wall. I'm going to pass out. This is, <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> And, um, you know, so they put material, which is actually Cadiva skin, uh, below that to hold my organs back while those muscles strengthened and, and healed. And so I have a lot of uh, this product in my abdomen, um, hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of it. And um, <laughs> it basically, because it's real skin, it basically becomes your own fashion. So if I today... If I was to go in for some kind of uh, appendectomy or you know any kind of uh, stomach surgery or abdomen surgery, um, they the doctors wouldn't even know wow. that this material is put in there. It becomes your own. So that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Well, you uh, did kind of get out of the the uh, dark place, and you know the, that story about your mom really helping you uh, get there is awesome, and you've. Completed the two, you completed the 2008 New York City Marathon. A little bit different experience there that year, though, right? Yeah, much much different. Um, you know, I 
I um I didn't know if I'd be able to finish the marathon, uh, but I did want to get to the start line and, and give it a shot. I uh I enlisted the Achilles Track Club of New York and, and I got into a uh, uh an early start. Mm-hmm. So I actually started three hours before everyone else. You know, I started with the um with the Achilles Track Club. There was about forty, fifty athletes from hand cycles, wheelchairs, uh, single leg amputees, uh, blind runners, you know, whatever mix match. And, and then there was me. Um, uh, and I asked two friends to run with me, two guys that were both sub three hour marathoners. <laughs> and I kept telling, I kept telling them, uh, I hope you guys are training. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm running like a 17 minute mile. I'm like, look, it's a lot, it's a lot of work to run slow. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, so it's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> So, uh, and, you know, they were like, yeah, okay, we got it, we got it. They came a couple of runs with me to check my speed, but they, they, they stayed with me. And, and, like, mile 17, 18, th- those guys were the ones on the side getting stretched and worked <laughs> out by the medical guy. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, my back. I'm like, yeah, I told you. It's going to be a long day. Um, I think, it, in fact, I think it was Greta Weitz who said, you know, the, the hardest marathon she, she ever had to run was the, was the slowest. No she doubt. Ran, and she ran with Fred LeBeau. Yep. Um, she said, anyone can run fast. Running slow is hard. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, so I, the experience was the first part of my day, which was amazing, getting there super early, cannon goes off, getting a shout-out from Mary Wittenberg, who was the head of Roadrunners, the CEO of the Roadrunners Club at that point, and in charge of the marathon. Uh, we, we saw the crest of Arizona Bridge, which is the first mile, and the bus that I had taken three years before with the fire department team, you know, where they put the elite runners on was now coming into Staten Island to the start. Right. So it's a, it's a big, uh, caravan of buses with the police and fire team. We keep each other, we keep it together so that we can have this race on a fair, you know, fair and even ground. So it was like seven or eight buses and they stopped and they all got out of the bus. They got out of the windows and they came to my side of the, uh, Arizona Bridge, and they were all cheering me on as I went by. So, you know, when no one has any spectators on the Arizona Bridge <laughs> besides the runners you're next to, right. I had three to four hundred tops and firemen, wow. you know, That's all awesome. cheering me on. So that was great. Awesome. Uh, that was the beginning of it. The, the funny story about, uh, and I won't try to release everything because I'll save something for when I come in to, yeah. to sit with the Pacers group, but there was a funny story where I, I, you know, that competitive edge never leaves you no matter what happens to you. And I said to my friend Frank, I said, Frank, I said, uh, you know, all those Achilles, Achilles athletes are gone. I can't see them anymore. I said, they, don't you think they went out too fast? He's like, Matt, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Just, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the motto for the day was, was forward progress, keep moving forward, don't look back. I said, all right, but can you do me a favor? Can you, can you tell me if there's anyone behind me? Like, am I in last place already? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I begged him to do it. He turns his head, he looks over, and, and he goes, no, you're not in last place. I'm like, great. Uh, two or three minutes later, I hear this noise, and I hear Frank like, with a big sigh. And I said, what's going on? He's like, nothing. And this guy, noise gets faster and closer, and it's just like a clicking noise. And I look to the right, and, and here comes this Japanese runner with no legs. He just had two crutches down his arms, and he passed me. And Frank goes, now, now you're in last place. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. So that was the start of the New York City Marathon, and a seven-hour—I think it was a seven thirty-one, seven thirty-nine. It's awesome. 
Hey, um, it was a long, long day. But just finish. That is that is awesome. And then you went on to complete. An, this is amazing. An, an Ironman uh, the next year, right? Yes, I um, I I had already gone up. So you know, you know, anyone who does Ironmans, they know they it's they sell out fairly quickly. So I had already signed up for it. Um, and I said, you know, I told uh, the the voice of Ironman, Mike Riley, that I was going to make a comeback. I went up to Lake Placid uh, in 2009 and uh, 2008, and I signed up for the 2000. I'm sorry. I ran the New Marathon. You're right, right. So in 2000, yeah, in 2009, I did the Ironman. Right. right. Next year. So uh, in 2008, I was up in Lake Placid, and I signed up for the 2009 Ironman Lake Placid. And I just kept it a secret. Only like three or four people knew. And I said, if I finish the marathon um, in under nine hours, then I then I know I have time to train and, and see what I can do. Because mm-hmm. um, you have 17 hours to finish the, the Ironman. So, uh, yeah, I did it. did it in, in under eight. So I was like, okay, great. That means I have nine hours to swim and bike. Let's see what happens. So I, then at that point, I started biking and swimming again, and I put the running on hold because it hurt so much. Wow. You And, and what was your time in, in the Ironman? 16 hours, 58 minutes, and two and six seconds. <laughs> right under. Incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, uh, it, was, it was a hell of a day, long. I mean, I think I ran the same marathon time, which was good, which meant I got better. Right. Um, usually you could add some time to that. So I think I ran a 7:30, or, or walked a 7:30, whatever you want to call it. But to me, right. to me, to me, one of the other things I've learned, and I teach kids now, like when I'm training young athletes where I live, I teach them, you know, how to run better, better form. You know, the first thing you ask a kid is, you know, how do you run? And they go with your feet. I'm like, oh no, come on, what else, what else do you use? You know, how do you run? They go oh, with your legs. I go, well, is that it? And most kids think that's it. Yep. You know, they don't understand that you're running with your arms, you're running with your upper body, you're running with your core. You know, your whole body is being used. And if there's a weakness, your body's going to find it. So, you know, if your arms are flailing around, you could, you know, yeah, I, do I, have you seen great runners with god-awful form? Absolutely. Yeah. But can you take a runner like me, who's in his 30s, and tweak his form, lean slightly forward, you know, instead of heel striking, try working on your strike for your foot, can you moving your arms the right way, pumping them the right way, not crossing your body, can you fix that and, and, and get better? Yeah. So that's what I try to tell kids now. And then I, I may have been walking or doing 16-minute miles, but I was doing the best I could. I was running with my arms, picking those feet up and doing what I could. Well, the book is uh, The Long Run. Uh, you can also find a lot more information about Matt, uh, mattlongspeaker.com. You become a motivational speaker. You tell your story. You've been on The Daily Show. I mean, there's so much has happened since then, and you made it such a productive, you know, out of such a terrible, awful tragedy. You made such a positive out of it, man. It's, it's so great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, we, we look forward to... Uh, talking to you about uh all all this and and more i do want to ask when he's in town on the 24th i want to ask about john stewart in the daily because it was john stewart right yeah well, it was john stewart it was great yeah right. so i have we'll, a whole great story you asked me that uh, we'll, that we'll, night I'll tell so so that we'll, we'll tease that for uh june 24th book club uh we'll, we'll be able to see matt he'll be in town 
uh, talking to to all the Pacers running audience, answering questions, signing books. You can buy the book. You can buy the book now on Amazon, uh, certainly on uh, June 24th uh, as well in the store. Matt, amazing story. Uh, one of the best we've had in, ele- in our 111 episodes, man. Um, we, we're really uh, thankful that you, you spent some time with us and really look forward to seeing you on June 24th. Uh, I look forward to it, too. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much to all three of you. Absolutely, man. All right. That's Matt Long. The book is The Long Run. This is Pace the Nation. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program, and thanks again to Matt Long for joining us today on Pace the Nation. The book is The Long Run. You know, I haven't read the book yet, but <laughs> I didn't many, want to tell many, Matt. Is many, that insulting if I didn't, you know, if I haven't read the book? I think from Matt. anybody else, yes. From you, it should be expected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're on book two of your book a month this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Book, book three. Book three. But I, I will read this. This is going to be a must read. And this one, I think I'll fly through. After this is going to be your, your, your book for April. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, awesome story. Uh, New York accent. Yeah. A true New Yorker. A Brooklynite. Gotta love those New Yorkers. Firefighter, New Yorker. I think he's Irish like Catholic. Does it get more kids. New York than I that? I know. He is. Uh, I mean, he is. He was. He was awesome. Uh, we could have gone on and on. I had a lot more questions. I want to get details about John Stewart, but come to the book club and maybe he can share details there mm-hmm. about that and any, any other questions you might have. Yeah, bring your own questions. <laughs> so awesome to have Matt Long. Again, the book is The Long Run. Get it today on Amazon or anywhere else you sell books. I've always wanted to say that. That's what they say on real <laughs> shows, you know, when they have authors on. Yeah, um, uh, on real shows. Right. All right. This isn't a real show. D- no. Docs, you are back in town. Excited to have you back on town. Am I back in town or am I on the phone? No, you're actually in town mm, because, okay. and, and the audience will know that because there isn't a uh, a lot of choppy audio. Mm-hmm. But maybe I, have a, maybe I have good phone coverage. <laughs> That's true. I, I will say I, I was up in Canada and, and you know what, Farley? Uh, I was thinking about you because mm-hmm. my GPS watch was sinking really fast up there. Yeah. And and I was like, <laughs> Farley knows why. It's because I'm further north. Exactly. Closer to the satellites. Closer to the satellites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You got it, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, like really fast. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not... Hashtag Farley Science. I, I am I am smarter than some of the audience thinks. What was the What was the best part of Canada besides the quick GPS signal? Uh, everybody in Canada is so nice and it's infectious. Like yeah. people don't get angry, you know. Real? What, what's what is so great? Why would they not get angry? Like in, they don't get angry in traffic. Like yeah, they, I mean, as an example, I I did one day. I I think I cut off another car that I didn't see. And the guy was just like, just got on with his day, like right away. And I was like, if I was in D.C., this guy would have followed me home and yelled at me and, you know, like shaking a fist and just pulled a machete accelerated out. it. Yeah, pulled That's a machete out. That's an old school out. reference, yeah. Yeah, for, for the, for the uh, loyal fran- fans who've been, been there from the beginning. Yep. No big deal. Just get on with your life, you know. Any good runs up there in Canada? Amazing runs. Awesome. Amazing runs. I, I was like two miles away from this park that had 10 lakes and, and trails that just, you know, trails on trails and connected. And How big were these lakes? 
not not big. I mean, one of the tri- one of the lakes was like a mile loop. Were they man-made or natural? Probably man-made, okay. yeah. Um but it was a, it was an amazing park. And then you know, what, as soon as I got up there, I also had a uh we, we immediately had a day off, which is always the worst thing. Um and I went down we went down to Acadia National Park in Maine and had Probably the coolest run I've ever had. So you crossed the border. You were in Canada and uh-huh. then had to pull out your passport and then cross the border. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you run the marathon in, in Detroit, Detroit yeah. you don't necessarily have to have your passport when you go across the line. But they check before the you, race, right? You go, through, you go through passport control before that race, and then they, they put a tag on your uh, on your mm, bib, okay. your race bib. Kathy's run that race. I, I'd have it, to ask her. It's yeah. funny that you brought that up because one of the guys that, that was working uh, where I was ran that race also, and we specifically talked about that race. Another good question by me then. Yeah, See? yeah very relevant. Good. Yep. You were really I'm good at this. I'm You're really it. good yep. at this. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so good run in Maine. In in Acadia National Park. Huh. If if you're ever up in Maine, you should go to Acadia National Park. They have these these just really nice groomed trails that you know. I, I did this uh, six miler around this lake, and uh, it was probably like one of the the best runs. This is like the, exactly the kind of trail I'm always looking for, and I've you know accomplished that now. I and found you found it. it in Maine. I found it in Maine. Yeah. Well, you can find uh, William E. Docs on Strava. It's William E. Docs 2020. Because mm-hmm. I'm running for president. Because he's running for president, of <laughs> mm-hmm. course, in 2020. Uh, so you can see the map. The great, the one mm-hmm. great thing about Strava, you can see the map where he ran. So maybe you want to check out that run for yourself next time you're up uh, visiting uh, your brother. Yeah. Joanna. When you're on the campaign trail, will you mm-hmm. be running with the with possible voters? Is yeah, that how you'll course. be you'll be of reaching course. your base? It's running my campaign. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's uh, awesome that you had a good trip, Docs. Great to have you back, though. Hopefully, I, I, I will no... say I will say I told you guys this too. I got tired of maple. Mm-hmm. I, I think Canada uh, overdoes it with the maple. I, I get it. It's your your flag, and you're proud of it. Sure. But, but uh, like, we don't need maple everything. You know. Is there something that America does everything of? Is there an equivalent? Yeah, they're obnoxious. <laughs> Apple pie? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we overdo. The thing is, I, I don't, they probably don't think that they overdo the maple. Yeah. What we need is an outsider to tell, tell us, us what, what we, we overdo. overdo. But yeah. it's probably we probably overdo processed foods. Yeah. I was thinking it had to be like maybe a cheese or something or a meat of some sort. Mm-hmm. Not apple pie? No. Fast food? We overdo fast food? It's Maybe. as American as apple pie. That's what everybody says. I know, but stop with the apple pie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Docs, uh, you bring up maple water. We do have snacks today. I want to thank the great people at Asics and Greg, of course, who mm-hmm. brought us snacks, including a couple maple water. water. So mm-hmm. uh, snacks, again, sponsored by Asics. And I think it probably, he got the uh, multicolored or the rainbow uh, goldfish. That's probably for Pride Week, yes. I'm guessing. Um, so, because he always, he always has a theme. Somewhat of a theme. You know, so yep. it's like we have to figure out, we have to crack the puzzle, <laughs> you know. Because when we right. just callously say like, oh, we got snacks. And he's like, but didn't you, if you put them all together, it's, right. it's, uh, it means so something. It's, it's a yeah. map to, to, yeah. What's the, what are the cows for? The fruity cows. Fruity cows. Hello. Pride week. Oh, cause. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joanna, um, we're, we're going down the list of personal stories here and you're up next. 
Uh, you've talked Europe. about Oslo this this on this podcast many times about your uh, living situation and you're moving or you're not moving. I thought you were going to move. You found a place. You didn't find a place. What's going yeah. on? So um, a good friend of mine has this theory in life that there's three things, relationship, work, and running. And you can't have all three things go right at the same time. Hmm. It's o- it's only one or two, but you can't have all three go right at the same time. Okay. Um, I think I have to add housing to my list. <laughs> Relationships, work, running, housing. Yeah. Okay. I just can't get all four of them to just align um we have we have somebody disrupting our podcast right now. She just banged on the window. And she actually just tried to steal a hat. Yeah. This was a, this was Br- an interesting thing. Yeah, what Brandon, just happened? Brandon actually Do you think that they stopped a would be stealer? Shop, shoplifter? Yeah. Yeah. She stole Ooh. that hat. Ooh. And Brandon said, "Give me the hat back." And hmm. How about that? Yeah. Weird. This Very is weird. a new crime beat show. <laughs> I was wondering if you like knew her. I'm like, why are you knocking on the window? Yeah. Hmm. We just witnessed Brandon. Mm-hmm. Almost get beat up. There were three of them. Brandon had no lifting. chance. Those guys were big. <laughs> yeah. And that girl looked like uh, she could also take mm-hmm. him. All right. Uh, I don't know how we get back on track here. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joanna well, has. I think in short, the the moral of the story is I still don't have a place to live. Okay, so I have some leads. Okay, I have a lead, um, but nothing is official yet. So where are you currently sleeping? I still, I still live uh, with Emma, with my best friend. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, but you know, uh, Luigi has an open invitation to move into my house. Okay, (laughs) he might take you up on that. Your house is pretty nice. It's somewhat of a compound. Yeah, he does Mm -hmm. like that, and Mm -hmm. I think he likes all the walks and the dog park. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better not tell him that, Joanna. He might. he might uh, lobby for him to, to move over to the Docs's, Docs Manor. So uh, my personal story, since we're all um, sitting around sharing here. Uh, you know, How long I, do we have? I talked uh, a couple episodes ago about uh, my first trip alone with James mm-hmm. on uh, the flight. Uh, first flight alone with James. Right. And uh, I had another one this past weekend. So I got great advice from Joe and Beth uh, telling me to at least show up two hours beforehand. So I attempted to do that, but that two hours beforehand turned into about an hour and a half beforehand. And I'm headed to North Carolina to see my grandmother. Uh, So flying from DCA, I have my mother-in-law drop me off. And I've got about 90 minutes before the the flight actually Mm -hmm. takes off. This is an improvement. Yes. So... A ton of bags, all James's stuff, except for his bed. Mm-hmm. So he sleeps in this, what's called a docatot. And we've gotten him so used to this. Any young parents out there, I can't recommend this bed slash couch slash futon thing for little kids. I can't recommend it enough. It's called docatot. It comes mm-hmm. in a couple sizes. We have the docatot grand because he's grown up to the point where he needs the bigger docatot. But it's basically a bed. And that's all he can sleep in. You can put him in your bed. You can put him on the floor. You can put him in a crib. You can put him anywhere in this docatot. So I was looking at two days of not having this uh, bed that uh, would be yeah. pretty pretty tough. Okay. So you go you go home to your house. Well, I didn't have time, and my mother in law couldn't drive back and get it. So I call the store and I say, "Is anybody there with a car?" Because, you know, my house is, you know, a couple blocks from the store. 
Brandon picks up. It's probably about 1030. And he says, we only have one other person here, but I'll do it. And goes, gets his car out of the garage, opens my door my, to my house, sees the Dakotot, and literally is there in 15 minutes. Right. Wow. You mean drops it off at the Drops it off at the airport. airport. I'm outside. I had gotten my bag tags, my uh, tickets, and I went straight to the uh, drop off the bags and off the security I go. No problem at all. So Brandon saved the day. I Mm -hmm. almost... Hey, we just saw him save the day right now, too. (laughs) He's been doing that a lot lately. He's a superhero. (laughs) I know. So fortunately, uh, I would have had... Fortunately for me... It was. It would have been a long two days had Brandon not stepped up and saved the day. But unfortunately for the show, I probably would have had better show content had James been um, not been able to sleep for the two days I was in North Carolina. You're you're raising a very soft child. <laughs> I know, like just know. suck it up. Yeah. What would uh, Mrs. Long have said? Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well. I don't know. I, I think that the Dakotot was more about me than about him because I was thinking about, oh my gosh, my my sleep schedule. Well, is we know be, you're soft. <laughs> oh, well, my sleep schedule is going to be awful. Just hoping to break the cycle. <laughs> if if he doesn't have this bed, could I train him to sleep in a regular? Does James pack al- and play? Does yeah, James probably. already have one of those uh, eye eye shields? What <laughs> are those? Has. Those eye masks? Does he already have one of those? Not I know yet. you sleep with one I of do. those. I do. Not yet. No. Nah. no. Not yet. Do you, wait, you really sleep with one of those? Yeah, I usually put uh, either that or <laughs> cucumbers over my eyes. Pull them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, you can't put cucumbers on for eight hours. No, I'm kidding. Uh, this podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also, of course, have a store in Princeton, New Jersey, 7 Palmer Square there in Princeton. You can still sign up for the book club. June 24th is the first uh, book club event. Author Matt Long, who we just had on the program, will be there. So still sign up for that single event or all three book club events, which will happen all throughout the summer. I can't believe it's summer already. It is. Yeah, it's summer. It's it's a it's it's don't talk about the weather. It's it's hot. I I was about I was stopped myself because we had all this talk about small talk. But Mm -hmm. yes. The, the heat is definitely in full effect. Uh, running has gotten tough. you got to get up early and run. Uh, I didn't this morning. You know the breeders, did. the breeders have a song where Kim Deal says, Summer is ready when you are? No, I don't know who I don't think are. I don't think that's an accurate uh, I don't think statement. that's accurate at all because yeah. I'm never ready for summer and it always is here. I think she's on Twitter. You should, you should let her know that that's a... Uh, yeah, i got a real problem with that yeah, lyric. Yeah. All right. We have Brandon Boucher here. Uh, we were recording live mm-hmm. when he on tape. St- stopped a, a would-be shoplifter. Let's start with. I mean, we got. I got a couple questions for Brandon, but let's start mm-hmm. with the the, the would-be Brandon, shoplifter. For for people who don't know, Brandon is the manager at the Clarendon right. Pacers. Yeah, and we were. I recording. set the table. That's we usually what record, you do. We were recording here. Uh, we just finished the Matt Long show. Or we're just finishing the Matt Long show. Uh, we see a woman come up and bang on the glass. She was very disruptive. Very disruptive. Very disruptive. Mm-hmm. And she had a hat on. Mm-hmm. Following her, and she was with two two other guys. Following her, we see Brandon run up, grab the hat from her, 
and give her a couple of choice words. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Brandon, Be- because of the plate glass window, we didn't hear what those words were. <laughs> right. What did you say? Yeah, they weren't very nice. No, they weren't. <laughs> so, first thing is they, they they walk into the store and they're not our uh, not our typical customer. Right. Mm-hmm. Just you know, a couple yeah. of, a couple of alarms. Um, I'm helping a customer. I'm going back and forth, and my coworker Rachel was was talking with them, and and they leave. And all three of them leave, and I see the girl just kind of hold something in her hand as they're walking out the door. So I turn to Rachel and I ask, "Did they buy that hat?" And she she just kind of gives me the question mark look, like I don't what hat? What are you talking right. about? So I watch them walk around the corner, and she's playing with one of our new uh, 47 brand DC flag hats in her hand. And I'm like, "Nope, that's not happening this morning." <laughs> nice, <laughs> not on my watch. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I run out the door. And I catch up to him right as they come up to the studio window. Right. And um, I say, can I have that back? And grab it. And I walk away. Uh-huh. And, um, and a couple of choice words. A couple of choice yeah. words. Yeah. I said, I'm going to call police, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Know, and they keep continue walking their direction. And I walk mine with uh, my hat. Well done, man. Uh-huh. Wow. I mean, but we, but when you turned around, you didn't see the other two guys pull out hats? or <laughs> No, they weren't. I didn't see them. Uh, they no. weren't by the uh, – they were at where the hats are in yeah. the store. I'm just kidding. So. No, they didn't. Those 47 brand hats are pretty cool. They're so, nice, yeah. Um, but they're not for free. No. They are not no. for free. That is mm. one thing that she asked. She thought it was for free. No, definitely not for free. Um, How much are they? They are $25. $25. That's a good price. Good a deal for those. I bought yeah. one yesterday. You got one with the uh, Pacers logo and you got one with the uh, DC flag logo. So very cool. Um, so, Brandon, uh, you saved the day. I just described uh-huh. the story on the uh, podcast. You saved the day uh this morning, but you also saved the day last Thursday uh, when I was headed to North Carolina. I told the story from my side. Mm-hmm. You tell the story from your side. Can I can I ask the first sure. question? Yeah, Brandon, when your phone rings and and the caller ID says Chris Farley, how many eye rolls <laughs> <laughs> when you see that? It, it's gotten to be about two or three. Two or yeah. three. <laughs> two or three. Okay, it's not enough. So I, I get the phone call uh, at the store, and it you know it actually doesn't come up as Chris Farley; it just comes up with his phone number. Yep. And he says, "Hey, it's Chris. Who's with you at the store?" And he says, "Well, it's just uh, it's just Megan and I." And I said, okay. Well, and Chris says, okay, well, anybody have their car there? It's like, well, mine's in the garage. It's around the corner. I can get to it kind of quick. What do you need? He says, I need you to go to my house. I forgot something. I really need it. And I'm at the airport. So <laughs> yep. First okay. question was, what time's your flight? Because if yes. Because <laughs> I know you. <laughs> yeah, I know you. You probably don't have enough time. He, he did <laughs> ask that. He did ask that. Yes. So he, uh, so he says, it's at 11. It's at eleven fifty, and you call it. It's about ten uh, fifty, and it's like, okay, you know, we can we can make this happen. Yep. Go the opposite direction of the uh, flight attendant, the uh, the flight booker, the other time when she says, yeah, you're not going to make this. <laughs> right. yeah, we'll, we'll make this We're happen. Make we'll this one. No yeah. confidence. Yeah. So, so I tell my tell Megan, my coworker, I said, I'll be right back. Um, I've got my phone on me. You know, call me if anything comes up. It's Run, a Chris Farley thing. It's a Chris <laughs> Farley <laughs> thing. Like, yeah. Say no more. <laughs> Run out the store. Get my car. Run over to your house. Grab the baby bed, right? That's yeah, it's what a baby it is, a bed. Baby yep. Bed. Yep. Throw in the back of the car and drive off to uh, Reagan. Right. I think I pull up at about um, ten ten forty five, pretty close to that. Unbelievable yeah, how quickly quick. he got there. Mm-hmm. It was. I, I no was traffic. shocked. No yeah. traffic, and it's easy to get there from yeah. here. 
And I pull up and I start looking for him. And I'm not looking for Chris, but I'm looking for the defeated dad that you see in <laughs> any comedy movie holding the baby, the baby stroller, and then what looks like enough luggage for about three weeks of vacation. Right. right. And he was gone for about three days? Two days. Two days. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, there's two very large suitcases right next Huge. to him. Huge. Yeah. Stroller, baby. And now this this uh, baby Doc-a-tot. bed, Doc-a-tot. Yeah. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. that is you know the baby bed. Do they yeah. advertise with us? They don't. I, I, gotta say, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I like calling it a baby bed. Baby yeah. bed. Yeah. yeah. So that so I find Chris and I throw this thing at him and I say, "Here you go." Yeah, that's pretty much and it. That, and then as I'm driving off, I yell out the window, "I want this noted on my final review." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> final review. <laughs> no, he's not leaving us. No, end, no, of no, no. end of your end of your end of your review. Yeah, that that was um incredible uh in, incredible amount of time it but you it, got you got there so quick I was shocked. In 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 putting these two stories together, is there any chance that Brandon staged this shoplifting situation <laughs> to unfold in front of us uh to build the reputation? Maybe. I don't know. If I, you did, I think that's even cooler than than uh, than stopping a shoplifter. I would but. like to say that I'm kind of that kind of devious. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that good though. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of uh, Brandon uh, Boucher stories here. Uh, we had him on the podcast. Do you remember what episode? Yeah, I think that was episode forty-three, because four plus three equals seven. There we go. <laughs> how, how does that apply to Brandon? Come on, Joanna. It was actual running talk was the name of the the show. So we actually talked running on his show uh, right before you're getting ready for the uh, the uh, the rock and roll marathon. I wanted to call it the national marathon. So uh, Brandon, you're you're obviously an avid listener of the program. Um, you listen to every show. I try. I haven't listened in a little bit. But yeah. All right, I've, but I've you been, but you knew up. about the you knew about the the most recent episode I had for the flight. Oh. Right, right. Okay. I was going to say, if you haven't caught up, you can skip the last three. I wasn't on. <laughs> right, right. All right, then um, I guess we got nothing else for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, then was, yeah. get out of get here. Get out. Yeah. All right, well, um, the hero of the day, it's Brandon Boucher. Uh, he's episode 43, where we did actual running talk. Um, this is what the description of it was. My social media rules continued. Oh, no. Uh, I tell stories of the trip to the New Balance games. We play the Jenny Simpson newlywed game. Jenny Simpson was on that. This was a, this was a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, we talk about New Mexico, the shoe fitting process, uh-huh. Breaking Bad, yep. yeah, LA Marathon, um, where uh, Joanna went to see the Tar Pits. Uh-huh. Um, do you still have that T-shirt? Sure do. Yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody wearing that same T-shirt. Really? Yeah. I think they sold more than one. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's what we did back in episode uh, 43 a year <laughs> Good and times, half ago. huh? Yeah. Yeah. You guys, do you guys all remember that? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a all good right, time. All right, we're back again together. All right. Um, I, have a, I have a question before we let uh, Brandon go. Brandon go. Okay. Uh, what's your superhero name? Mm-hmm. Well, work on that. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if you're saving the day, you need to have a, a, a good name. I, I would also Captain, like if, if tomorrow you show up uh, to work wearing a costume. <laughs> Captain Loss Prevention. <laughs> Captain Loss Prevention is good. Okay. There he is. But that doesn't really cover the getting the, the me the baby bed. But yeah, I like Captain Loss Prevention. We'll go with that. 
All right. I'm not sure what we're going to do with this episode or this little extra, but... Could uh, be an Easter egg. It could be an Easter Docs egg. Docs will figure it out. Docs will figure it out since he's back in town. Oh, thank God for that. I it makes my... me think every time you say that of that song, like, the boys are back in town. <laughs> what song is that? The boys are back oh, in yeah, town. Yeah. That's before your time. You should know that. It's on every commercial, dude. It is. Okay. <laughs> All right. One other thing, guys, before we uh, leave here, I wanted to congratulate... Please be me. A couple of teams out there. Uh, the Georgetown Hoyas were at NCAA's. The men's team finished 12th overall at NCAA's. That's not track. as good as UVA. And I also wanted to congratulate Brian Fetzer and the UVA Cavaliers for finishing third. That's the bronze medal at mm-hmm. NCAA's. Impressive. You know, we had Brian Fetzer on earlier this spring and he talked about the team being fifth sixth mm-hmm. well they ended up in third place incredible weekend for the uh uva cavaliers also for the georgetown hoyas who were uh 12th in the race and three incredible all-american performances one by joe white in the 800 also uh two steeplechasers darren fahey was the runner-up and scott carpenter was fifth uh, so the boys did amazing out there and eugene so congratulations, Georgetown, UVA. Love those teams. Love to see those great results. Joanna, did you uh, announce that race? <laughs> you know, I never got the phone call. I was really disappointed. Yeah. When your your uh, college track announcing career is stalled right now. I know. You need to kick kickstart that. I know. If any of our listeners uh, have any connections. <laughs> I thought you have a connection. No, you have the connection. You'll be yeah. back. You'll be back. Um, Joanna. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you, you so you say things are in fours? Yeah. Uh, do you consider that your career, your calling? So that one, like your housing and your and your career are are not going well. Yeah. Wait, no, hold on. Her career is her secondary. That's a hobby of hers to announce. That's track a hobby. Meets. Her career is going fine. Thank uh, you. All right. I would say my running is going fine. I'm speaking too. for her. I love it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you're running. You're, you were out running this morning more than either. I didn't of us say did. everything was going bad. You said that everything can't all click at the same time. Well, every I don't think everything can go wrong at the same time either. Maybe it can. We'll have to ask Trip what the. Trust me, works. trust <laughs> me. Everything can go wrong. <laughs> trust me. I you need to get more of that Canadian positivity. Yeah, <laughs> it's his outlook on life. I've, I've lost it. I, I I had a, a while I was up there. Everything was was great. It, it was so quick for me to get back to uh, being an American. Gosh, love having Doc's back. That's great. <laughs> All right, guys. Episode one hundred and eleven in the books. Great interview with Matt Long. The book is The Long Run. You can see Matt. June 24th, Pacers running Navy Yard for that book club event. You can sign up online at runpacers.com. Look forward to seeing Matt then. Docs, great to have you back in studio. Great job today. I'm glad to be back. If I wasn't back in studio, I wouldn't have just seen somebody texting and bike riding. (laughs) That's what you get to see here at Studio 1A. All right, for William E. Docs, for Joanna E. Russo, I'm Chris Farley. Thanks for listening. This is Space Nation. We'll see you next week.
that's it. What a yeah. terrible show. Terrible, terrible. This is what we do. This is it. This is all. This. This is what you missed. <laughs> God. This is what you came back for. <laughs> we, we are so much better together. It's ridiculous. You think that was a terrible show? Imagine how we felt walking I'm out just... of the last two shows. <laughs> you did three shows without me. Three? We did three. Mm-hmm. Ellie. Yeah, but then I got to park the car somewhere. I got my first parking ticket. Mm, it's not your first parking ticket because you got a parking ticket with my car. That's right. Okay, I got my first parking <laughs> ticket with my car. Yeah. At UVA, your first ticket was was a freebie. They did that at AU too. Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing. So then you just all you had to do was just get a new car. <laughs> that's how you. Seems beat. like people at UVA do that. That's how you beat the system. 